Absolute Radio Country is filled with the best sounds from Nashville 24 hours a day. But even we can't fit in everything. You'll find a full story right here. This is Country Music Talk, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the world of country music. We love bringing you the biggest names from the world of country music here on the podcast, so thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already, and that way you'll never miss an episode. And if you're in the UK, you can listen to Absolute Radio Country live and enjoy the no-repeat guarantee. It's our promise to never play the same song twice during your workday between 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Right, on with the podcast. This is the Country Music Talk Podcast from Absolute Radio Country. Absolute Radio Country, I'm Balin Leonard, uh, joined by this great, for the first time, we've been playing him for ages, and now here he is sitting right in front of me, Larry Fleet, hello. Hey. You've been doing this for years, but it seems like only, what, the past couple of years, three years maybe, that it's really kind of people yeah. in an abundance yes. have, have started appreciating you and finding you. I think that I, I got my record done like... 2019 okay and then that first year was building and so you know you show up some nights you might have 50 people that show up that's a good crowd 50 100 150 but it was you know kind of smaller and then of course 2020 happened yeah and that shut everybody down but that's when where i find god took off because everybody was was looking for something during that time and i was very fortunate because it i actually grew so whenever i came back whenever shows started happening again everything opened up my my fan base had grew substantially, so uh, it helped me out. You know, it was a rough year of twenty twenty. You know? Yeah, but uh, we ate a lot of beans and stuff. But it was oh, uh, you must be loving being over here then. Beans for breakfast. Love beans for breakfast. <laughs> I eat beans every meal. I love it. Yeah, it's great. When we started playing you, which must have been three or four years ago, mm-hmm. I think um, it was all about kind of how you'd gotten kind of discovered in quotes yeah. and i always told that story so why don't you tell it yeah that was uh that's and they, they said you're gonna tell this story for the rest of your life which is a good story because <laughs> yes it is i was uh i'd been playing music forever for my whole life and then um but i never knew i could really make a living at it so i always my dad always taught me to have skills so i learned how to lay brick and mm. do concrete and any kind of construction work but so that was kind of my that was my future. And so, you know, like I said, played music forever, but um, I had a good job. I was doing concrete and um, just kind of plugging along, and I was playing bars on the weekends and just, you know, doing the thing. And uh happened to be out at a barn and happened to just be playing some songs for some friends, and then Jake Owen walks in. So he comes in, he sits and watches me play, and I played a few things I had written and then, you know, some old Merle Haggard songs or something. Mm. And so he just liked me, and uh, we get to talking, become friends, and he says, I want to help you out. And I just think that you're too good to be sitting over here, you know, doing this. You need to do this for a living. And I was like, eh, I don't know. We'll see. I said, well, long story short, I said, just take me on the road with you, and we'll see what happens. Because I never thought he would take me on the road. Right. And like a week or two went by, and he called me and said, well, get your stuff. Let's go. And so I went to uh, Florida, and that was the first run. We played a whole run of shows, and it went really well. And they really liked me. This crowd liked me. So, you know, I've got this adrenaline rush after that. I'm like, this was fun. And so we go from there, and the next week he calls. He's like, come on, let's go on this other run. So we do another run. And then they come back. He says, you're going to quit your job? 
I said, okay. So uh, I went in, I talked to my boss at work, and I was like, hey, I hate to do this, not really give you a notice. What were you doing at the time? I had worked my way up in this company. I'd been there a while, but I started out doing concrete work, and okay. then I gotten into asphalt paving and dirt work and all construction stuff, but it was an engineering company, so I was just plugging along, trying to make my way as high as I could, and that's kind of the goal there, but... It's kind of like building is kind of like writing a song for me. So when you start with nothing and when you get done, you got you built something with your hands. You got you, something. You got yeah. something to show for. Same thing with writing songs or something like that. So that's why I always enjoyed that. But yeah, so I met Jake and he took me on the road with him. And then all of a sudden, you know, I start writing songs more, you know, for, for a living at this time. That's my main job. And things just started working out. And then. I got a, a record deal with, with Big Loud, which is where Jake was at, and that's where Morgan and all these people are at. So that's where I want it to be, and I ended up getting it because it's a great label. And uh, so I come in there and then put out a record the way I wanted to do it, which was more acoustic-driven and stuff. And it's just been a, a grind, but I've enjoyed it, and you know, it just continues to grow. Jake Owen, was he wearing shoes when you met him? Because I'm convinced that he never wears shoes. Always well, barefoot, Jake Owen. He's, most of the time he is, but uh, this time I, it was so cold <laughs> that he would have got frostbite on those toes. But, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that they've, he's probably had it before. But no, he's he had shoes on. Closed-toed shoes. So, well, there uh, you go. No, I don't know. You heard it here first. It <laughs> exactly. <happened. laughs> uh, when when he called you for those first shows to go out in Florida, I mean, presumably that was like a much bigger crowd than what you had been playing oh, to. And were, yeah. were, it, it, was that a case of um, fake it till you make it type thing? In terms of, not that you didn't have the skills in the songs, but in terms of like, you know, there's playing in front of 100 people and then playing in front of even... A thousand people is right. very different, let alone multi-thousand people. Oh, my legs were shaking. Right. Like I was I was really, really nervous. Because uh, like I said, I've been playing and I've been singing and I knew what I was doing. And I'd written enough songs that I could go and, and play, you know, five or six songs and try to tell a story or something. But yeah. I had never been at that level where there's thousands of people out there. So mm. I went from playing in little bars or whatever and... You may have 10 people, you may have 100 or something, but everybody's there to get drunk, not really listen to what you've got to say. You're just playing right. background music for the most part. So I went from that to walking out where people are quiet, wanting to hear what I've got to say, and I hope that I got good enough songs. So it was very nerve-wracking for me, but it was a, it was like a bull rider hopping on a bull, and mm. it was an adrenaline rush. You Gotta know? hang I like, on. Like, I come <laughs> I, like, off of that show, and I was just like, I want to do this forever. You know, this was, it was such a, a rush. And, uh, and this crowd really, they really liked it. And I got a good response out of it. And so, yeah, it really helped it, helped me out. And, it, but I sat back and I watched what Jake did. And that was a real showman. And he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was doing. So I had to learn. And I still learn, even today. I mean, I play with Morgan. I watch what he does. Because he's he's great at what he does. Well, and, you know, I saw you backstage after you had um, played your set, your mm -hmm. opening set for Morgan, and you seemed, you know, you're you're drinking your your zero sugar Dr Pepper. <laughs> yeah. You seemed like you were totally calm, and then later on, you know, Morgan brought you out to yeah. to do a song. You seemed like you're right in your element. Have are you still kind of, um, you know, surprised, excited? Do you get nervous, or are you kind of like, yeah, this is me now? Yeah, I mean, I'm way more comfortable, but sure. Because I've done it enough. I went out with Morgan on my first ever like tour that right. I went on in last year. I played a lot of shows and been out with a lot of people, but 
to go Including Willie Nelson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Willie. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and I love Willie. But, you know, the uh, the actual tour where my name is on the poster and I'm on the whole thing, like, that was last year with Morgan. And so we did arenas and stuff. I never played in front of 20,000. Mm. I played in front of two or 3,000 at yeah. this point. And uh, so walking out at Madison Square Garden in New York, I'm like, oh, this is a... This is crazy. So, and you have to learn a lot on the fly. Sure. But doing that all year long made it, it helped me out so much because I can pretty much walk in anywhere and I'm like, well, I've played for at least this amount of people or if not more. And also iconic venues as well because, yeah. you know, sometimes uh, venues can hold so much power and magic and mystique for people. And, and you mentioned Madison Square Garden there. That's a venue that, that has that. Uh, the Ryman, of course, yeah. congratulations on selling that out. Well, what, a, what an amazing achievement that is. The O2, yeah. uh, you know, with Morgan. Because uh, sometimes venues themselves can oh, raise yeah. the stakes. Well, I mean, we've had, you know, I've played for 20, 30, 40,000 people, you know, and different places but uh the rhyming yeah that was my show like and i'm headlining it i've played it a few times with different people but had never been my show and it sold out like the first day and which blew my mind i didn't know i was nervous because i didn't know where you never know where you stand really sure and so you're you're hoping you sell enough tickets and you don't you don't really know so sometimes you do well and sometimes you don't but this one went really well but it's the rhyming and so that's you know Heart of country music right there mm. is the mother church. So I go in, and even though I've played for that many, you know, tons and tons of people, uh, I think that Ryman holds 22 or 2,400 people. And I was probably the most nervous of any show I've ever done. And it was just like... Well, it's hallowed ground, isn't it? Yes. Well, you can feel it on the stage, and everybody's in church pews. It's, it's very up close to you, and you just see so many people. Then you see... You know your parents down there, and yeah. mom's crying. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm like, all right, take it easy. But it's a, it's it's a lot of emotions going on there, and you just see all the cool pictures, and you can hear the que- the you know creaks in the floor and stuff. I mean, it's it's a cool place. So, like I said, I played Madison Square Garden and stuff. That's really cool. But the most nervous I've been was probably doing my own show at the Ryman, and uh, and then but once you kind of knock those out. You're like, man, I can do anything I want from here on out. Oh, yeah, done and, it. You know, it's, you, you don't worry about the rest of it. Yeah. It, is, it becomes fun once you kind of get the nerves out of the way for me. Uh, we've been loving Things I Take for Granted. Uh, tell us about that song. Um, I think I was in, like, Arkansas or something. We were out on the road. That weekend, I had another bus out with me, and um, it was just my buddies. We were writing songs, and I was playing shows at night. We write songs during the day. And uh, that weekend, we wrote... I think like six songs and uh, a few of them I ended up recording and uh, I wrote Man Made a Bar that weekend for Morgan. And uh, yes. so that was a pretty good weekend, but the um, things I take for granted, we were standing out in the parking lot and everybody's smoking cigarettes and hanging out, you know, and I was like, man, I, you know, I miss being home. Um, you know, I got a little boy, he's four, uh, my little girl's two. And so you, they just grow up real fast. I'm like, man. You know, we're getting to do some really cool stuff for a living and, and be out here traveling around. I was like, man, every time I get home, I swear they're talking better. You know, they're running around. They're gr- they grow up so fast. I, you know, all these things I take for granted all the time. And I said, man, things I take for granted would be a good title. And so we walked in and wrote that song in probably an hour or so. And uh, it was as true as it can be, you know, like the little things like, you know, 
going through, th- you know, three green lights in a row. You know, mm, it's like it's yeah. the simple everyday guy thing, but the little things that you just take for granted all the time. So that's. I mean, I think everybody likes getting three green lights in a row. It's you a know? great day. We don't need to gender that. Everybody's loving <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> that's a good day. And but, at the end, it goes four green lights. You know what I mean? Like it really. There's, got there's a road near here um, that it's just light after light after light after light, and and for Central London, it's like a proper thoroughfare. Yeah. And um, you can get it just right. Taxi drivers call it the green wave because if you get it just right, you can go straight down the Euston Road without ever catching day. a red light. If you're in a taxi and that happens, like you're like, ah, you know, it's like you're on a roller coaster yes. or something like that. Um, Man Made of Bar, you mentioned it there. Um, did you say it's the same day that you wrote that? Because, so, I mean, this um, is, if you, that's like Dolly Parton writing I Will Always Love You and Jolene in the same day. This is the type of category we're getting into if you wrote Things I Take for Granted and uh, Man Made Bar. Honestly, we, we, we would uh, write, yeah, two, two songs, two, three songs a day. I can't remember if I wrote both of those the same day or... We probably may have gotten one started. I Are think you forever actually, writing? Oh yeah, I forever. Write, I love it. That's honestly, I never wanted to sing. I just wanted to write songs. Right. And okay. So, that um, seems to be a, lo- a lot of people who have become very successful artists themselves started. You know, Mara Morris talks about that. Loads of artists talk about. It. We just had Eric Pasley. You know, yeah. um, we, me and Eric wrote. Um, uh, stack of records together right. on my fir- on the second record. So you just wanted to write songs and 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 presumably you know I come from a working class background and 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 grew up with my dad working in factories and my yeah. family working in construction and stuff like that in East Tennessee and I know that the goal. Um, for most of my family and for me was to be able to pay my bills. Like that That's was the it. goal, right? So for for you kind of having the 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 background that you had and and striving to become a songwriter aside from the craft and the art of it and you know the fact that you're putting your heart and your soul into it was one of the main goals like what kind of creative job can I get here that I know that I will be able to put a roof over my head and my family's head well that's always when you're younger you know like you don't have a family and everything Mm. you're just kind of like you know it's more about yourself and you're just kind of down for the good time and whatever kind of happens but you know, you think about making a living, but when you have a family and stuff, then it be- it really changes. And you're like, yeah, roof over your head. Because I can travel around. I can live anywhere. It doesn't mm. matter to me. But when you got that family, you need to have the stability. So it's that was a way I could see for writing songs is I get to do what I like to do. That's my real passion of mine is, is writing songs. I love going out and playing music and talking to people. But uh, writing is the most creative thing that I can do. And so uh, I love that part of it. But... You know, now they kind of go hand in hand for me. Mm. Like I never knew I could sing until I was probably eighteen or nineteen, something like that. Really? And uh, how did you discover that you could sing? Honestly, I was I would do it in my room. You know, just I was writing songs because I was tired of playing everybody else's music. Right. So I was like, well, I need to write something. And so, you know, as a kid, I would try to write poems and stuff like that. So I always enjoyed writing and, and making things. What rhyme. are songs but poems set That's to music? Exactly. And so, you know, trying to make it rhyme. And so. That was kind of what I would do, and then I would sing a little bit. And then uh, as I got into college, everybody would kind of get drunk, and so would I. And I'd be like, oh, well, I'll, I'll play Wagon Wheel or whatever. You know, so it was like <laughs> I would do that, and people were like, hey, man, you're pretty good. I'm like, yeah, you might be drunk, you know. And then I got told that I was good enough uh, enough times that I kind of believed it, I guess. And so I went out, and I had a, a cousin that was – playing in bars and he was like come and sit in on my set you know like set break and you can play a few songs well, I started doing it and I got a rush from that and uh, 
I was like, oh, and I, and I got tip money. I made like oh, 20, yeah. 30 bucks. I was like, oh, we, hey, we're on to something now. Tax-free, exactly. in the pocket. <laughs> and, uh, so I kind of did that, and I liked it, and it was fun, and I can I seen I can make a few bucks at it. So that's why I even started singing. I, right. I literally never wanted to. I just wanted to write the song. Cause, and even when I wrote Man Made a Bar, like, my producer Joey was like, "Why would you give that away? Like that is such a, an awesome song." And I said, "But for me, like I've always wanted cuts by other artists because yeah. I'm a songwriter." And, and also, you're like, "I'm not giving it away." Oh no no no! <laughs> 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 Daddy needs some shoes. You know? and it's like, but uh, you know, and I, but for me, that was an honor that Morgan cut that. And then Eric Church gets on it too. And it's like, so as a songwriter, you just got two of the biggest names in country to sing on a song that you wrote. So. It's a it's a thing for me that's very um I'm proud of that. And I got more enjoyment out of them doing that than me singing it anyways. Yeah. You know? And so that's just a songwriter. I mean and I love I just love it and yes, it can make you a good living if you do pretty well at it, you know. If you get some cuts and things line up right, yeah, you do all right. But Yeah, I mean you're sitting here in a solid gold hat. Twenty four K, you know. <laughs> it looks uncomfortable, but it sure does look it's fancy. Heavy. It is heavy. <laughs> um, Larry Fleet, and also what a, what a great story that, you know, you had enough people tell you that you were good, that you started to believe it. And I think that that is such a good lesson for everybody. You know, like, tell your kids they're great. Tell your friends yeah. they're great because they just might be and they might start believing it. And yeah. I think that's a wonderful thing. Are you going to come back and see us again real soon now that you've been over here? I hope so. I've, I got a great response. Yes, you did. So many people were like, hey, I've never heard of you until you walked out there. What have they been doing? Where have they been? They've been living Lord under have a rock. mercy. And, and I was like, you know what? Thank you. Cool. So I really got a great, great response from it. And so I would love to come back and hopefully we'll fill up whatever venue we got around here that I'm down for it. So. Come on back, Larry Fleet. Good to see you. Thanks Good for coming to in you. to see us. Yeah, thanks for having The Country Music Talk podcast from Absolute Radio Country. An in-depth look behind the scenes at the world of country music. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll have another dropping soon for y'all, so don't forget to keep it country. If you enjoy the Country Music Talk podcast, chances are you'll also enjoy Absolute Radio Country. It's the place where real music matters, and we love country music just as much as you do. You'll find us online on the free Absolute Radio app on digital radio throughout the UK, or just ask your smart speaker to play Absolute Radio Country.